I live for the 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 Avengers blip and yeah. all of its canonical success. Yeah, and all of the spin-off uh, narrative threads that have been rewarding and fascinating. It would have been a good if they had actually committed to a the leftover style uh like show where like people just dealt with the ramifications of Spider-Man Dude. being gone forever. Like they should have just kept it, if right? They, if they'd had like the the sort of the gall to just like runs like two or three years of MCU movies with a bunch of characters missing and like people all fucked up by that situation and then brought them back. Now that would have been a blip to remember. That would have, you know, honestly at that point I would have been like, damn Marvel. I, <laughs> this is, I respect this a lot. Samuel Jackson is like killing dogs in the street. Just yeah. like fucked up over the blip. And, uh, you know, maybe we make it, it could be permanent too, because, you know, looking at the Tom Holland, is it, I think I think we were sold uh, a bag of tricks. What's the, what's the phrase? A bill of goods. A bill of goods. We were sold a tr- bag of uh, a bag of nonsense. I think Tom Holland. I, I I don't know what these the, the Spider Man movies. They're all like C's. And then like we look at the rest of his film career, and and, and you know the, those Rotten Tomato scores are uh, they're damning. Yeah, I mean, look, he's getting pilloried on Rotten Tomatoes. I actually kind of like him in a couple of things he's been in, but I do think uh, yeah, what like Uncharted? No, his, his the, portrayal the, of Nathan Drake. The we you know like the weird spooky gothic horror movie thing he did. Um what was it called? Like the Devil something. The Devil something. It was a, well, I mean it was a Netflix movie, so I don't remember any of the story. Right. They're them. not meant they're they're not meant to be remembered. Yeah, like I remember that it was a fun movie and I liked Tom Holland's performance in it. I don't remember the name of the movie made, because it was on Netflix. And so it was just like, oh whatever. Netflix movies are made the way that fast food is made and that it's not supposed to stay in your system long it, to prevent, you know, possible disease. Oh, devil all the to, devil all the time, the one with him and Skarsgard. Supposed to slide right through you. Yeah, the devil all the time was pretty fun. I liked him in that. Devil all the time, mm-hmm. and that in that one, he's uh, Spider Man Devil. Yeah, he's the he's Spider Man, but if he was the devil, the devil got bit by a radioactive spider and has to save Gotham City <laughs> or not Gotham City, New York City. <laughs> Starting to wonder if these Rotten Tomatoes reviewers know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, who? Yeah, I, I assume it's an extremely educated class of people, the people who do fan reviews for Rotten Tomatoes, but I could be wrong. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think you're kind of right, though. I think that there's this thing where, like, everyone was like, Tom Holland rocks, and Marvel was like, you're right, he does. We're going to make the Tom Holland verse. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of like, oh, that's a lot of eggs to put into a pretty flimsy British basket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of those one of those egg baskets you bring out for Easter. Yeah. They're, they're shallow. Shallow, um, fragile. We the the sides are low. Yeah, it's it's, it's they can't fit the good stuff that you want from like a Robert Pattinson is more like a deep bucket. I've been listening to this uh this song over and over again. It's not coming there through. Damn it! Yeah, it, oh, it, it, here it is. It has. It only comes through when I'm talking, so I can talk over it. Oh, right, because of the, yeah. Hmm. Oh, it's like a noise suppression thing? Let's see. Man, I'm I'm so excited for this game. Holy shit. It's it, it's going to be the best game ever made. Yeah, that demo shattered everything. It's it's over. The <laughs> internet is, is reeling from it, and it's over. I'm so excited. Yeah, it was crazy. I think, I was it, like... You and I on the pod and off the pod and with friends and, and other people I talk to have all been like, yeah, Final Fantasy 16 is coming. It's going to get here. That'll be neat. That's going to be a fun time. I'm excited for a new Final Fantasy. Then the demo. Okay, just sharing off the pod conversations. That's why they're called off the pod. I know, but I'm just giving I'm just giving some depth. I'm letting people into I'm our. I'm just saying when, you, when we have parties and we let people over, you know, when, we, when we're. We have our big parties where we, all, we have our big parties where we all sit around and go, yeah, Final Fantasy 16 seems kind of neat. That's right. We're net, we're with Tucker Carlson and Rachel Maddow, and we're all doing blow, and we say, hey, hey, off the pod, Final Fantasy 16 is coming out. Yeah, but my point, my point was that we were all like, 
aware of it and like, oh, we're going to play it because it's a big, it's a Final Fantasy game. It's going to be Final Fantasy release. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. But yeah. then the demo came out and all of a sudden it has become like, this is the most important event in my life. Yeah, because, you know, I think um, at least what Final Fantasy main entries are supposed to try to do is like push the envelope in every way and what you think a video game can be. And they've done that to like, I think, varying levels of success over the years. But this really feels like return to form. Like this is like the next video game and everything else is kind of just like treading in the wake of it right now. All right. Well, because Final Fantasy is like five, six, seven nine ten fourteen the sneeze was eight yeah i don't like that one's just okay um but like there's so (laughs) many ones that really do feel like the video game of their era like feel like seminally Mm -hmm. significant to their moment in time and this feels like you know 15 didn't quite get there 15 was fun but it didn't feel like a huge deal all in terms of like just changing the way that you know 13, what we can 14 expect. and 15 like none of them were able to really take that occupy that space yeah 14 kind of was in a different way just because of it was like in the mmo space was playing in a different kind of audience a different kind of thing yeah but this feels like this is for everyone it's huge it's ambitious uh and it seems like it's ambitious in a way that at least if the demo is an indication like it absolutely sticks to the landing yeah, um, it was the uh, it was two of the greatest hours of my video game career. Uh, just everything firing on all cylinders. Um, the way that they sort of bookend the uh, the demo with this scene that sort of repeats itself, but with new added context, really goes to show that there's like. Um, there's a big story driving this entire thing that's sort of core in the same way that the graphics or the spectacle or the action and combat, everything feels core and important and part of a whole. Yeah. I mean, this is like, as much as like we make fun of like Nomura and, and the, and the kingdom Hearts stuff. And by we, I mean, I, uh, because you defend it with a two handed sword and, and jump around in full plate mail to protect kingdom hearts. But like one thing kingdom hearts tries to do that I admire, even if I don't think it really works or if it does work is often in service of a thing that is dumb. Um, is like a real commitment to like creating a holistic experience. Like every part of the kingdom hearts thing is meant to cultivate a specific kingdom hearts vibe and to like push a story forward and to give you these characters and these worlds and this depth. Um, and seeing that applied to a story that seems a lot more interesting to me, that seems to be playing with a lot more big boy themes to have a visual palette that I think is at least to me a lot more compelling. Um, is like so exciting because it does feel like it and, and it does feel like they're even doing a better job of it than Kingdom Hearts did. Like every single piece of this demo felt like you're learning something or you're contextualizing something you already learned or you're expanding the world or you're seeing a visual demonstration that is just like off the fucking charts. Um, and so it, yeah. it did really I mean, obviously, like they made the demo be. They made the demo the way they did to inspire that feeling, inspire that reaction. Obviously, these aren't dumb guys, but like the fact that they succeeded at it and put that much thought into it is like extremely exciting about like what's the rest of this game going to be like? Is the rest of this game going to be as sort of meticulously paced and executed as, you know, this? Because this felt like like Final Fantasy VII Remake had moments like this that were just like really beautifully dis- like balanced set piece, combat, set piece, combat, story, da 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 da. Sometimes the Final Fantasy VII Remake biffed on those things, but sometimes it nailed it. Yeah, and I mean, like, like, I'm playing some of those areas right now in the remake just because I'm so hype in Final Fantasy, but, like, they make you trek through these, like, sewer and tunnel levels multiple times, which are exhausting, and then, like, they leave you on a pitched uh, main quest cliffhanger, and they're like, now here's 20 more side quests, like, take your time, and the side quests are all, like, very time-consuming. So, yeah, there's just a lot of poor pacing in it yeah and but it does have a couple of sequences that really bang and this intro is like exactly that and it felt like and it feels like at least to me because the story feels so big and broad and like it has you know like just in this intro we see like this table of like leaders and then this tight there's the titan dominant fights the uh ice dominant and like then we meet the phoenix and there's a baron and there's a betrayal and there's an empire and there's ironclad guys and all this stuff it feels like it has a lot more tools 
to create those dramatic sort of sequences and those set piece moments than even seven did because seven by its nature is sort of contained. And that's like part of the nature of the story, but like it doesn't have the same kind of huge reach as far as ideas that, that 16 seems set up to. Well, so much of this just seems to be purely coming from like Yoshi P's mind and influence. It feels like Yoshi P has been, directing the greatest television show of all time in Final Fantasy 14 and now they're like giving him the billion dollars to make like the movie version of like his vibe and uh it's the smartest decision they've ever made it's uh definitely i think Final Fantasy 14 and where he's taken that story over the years seems to be the most fun interesting and like best way of encapsulating all of the great final fantasy moments from all the games um and sort of wrapping them up into something that's like poignant and uh relevant like in a modern way so yeah it's gonna be fucking awesome uh we're like three or four days away now i'm sure that's all we'll be talking about next week but yeah i mean the fever is here i can feel it on the internet people like uh, this is much like emperor palpatine you know I feel like a message was sent out in Fortnite that like echoed across the universe. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It's it, you. I know it's a a somewhat special gaming moment when our friend our, our friend Burf, uh, friend of the show, uh, Burf, messages me and is like, "Have you played this demo yet? It's the most iconic thing I've ever seen." And it's like, and and he's not a combat guy. Yeah, and he's not a combat guy. Exactly. And like, I know he loves Final Fantasy stuff, but like these kind of big epic fantasy stories are just not exactly where he likes to live. And so having him be like, this looks like the coolest thing in the world um, is such well, he a loves game of Thrones and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, he is, a, it, he does, he does love some Thrawn. They're, they're so good at copying things and doing them like perfectly. Like they're just like, Oh yeah. Game of Thrones. Like John, this is kind of like a Jon Snow guy and we're going to, we're going to make that our own, but we're going to take all the parts of game of Thrones that are good and, and make our own unique story from it. And he's, I feel like so many people are like when they copy a show like game of Thrones, they're just like literally copying it but have no like essence or juice like to like do something with that and so it just feels like you're like trying to like live up to something whereas this feels like oh yeah they love game of thrones they're copying it but it feels like new still i think this is again like god maybe this is me to, to write about somewhere but like this again feels like uh a kingdom hearts thing in that kingdom hearts another thing that kingdom hearts excels at is taking these characters like disney characters whatever and figuring out like kind of what they archetypally represent like what kind of character archetype and and symbolic and Mm -hmm. thematic image they are and putting them into places to let that idea flourish what kind of shinobi ninja are they yeah Yeah. and so like (laughs) and they do that with the game of thrones stuff like they don't have all the game of thrones guys like they have a ned stark they have a Jon snow um, and they understand what those figures do for a story. And they aren't saying we're going to tell the same story. They're like, we're going to use those pieces um, to tell our story. And we're going to be able because we understand those pieces and how they work and what they do. Our story is going to be more efficient. It's going to be clear. It's going to be really intelligible and and distinct because it's like as soon as uh, the pop Papa Duke rolls into the town, you're like, oh, I know. I know this guy. This is an honorable lord. He's <laughs> not long for this world. Yeah, he's fucking doomed. He's so fucking doomed. Um, I haven't seen him <laughs> plot or scheme at all. He's fucked. Yeah, he's going to show us like kind of like the the essential like best of humanity core of like where our heroes come from. Uh, and he's also going to show how like living that way is uh, guaranteed to not work out great for you. Um, and like, you know that right away, or you see the Jon Snow character and you're like, this is a guy who has a chip on his shoulder and he cares a lot. He's going to do his thing. And it's so legible and so effective right away. I feel like there needs to be a show that, that proves that you can be a good person and also scheme and not get backstabbed. feels like it's so binary in all these tales where it's like, well, you can be a good person and die, or you can be an evil person or a person and gain gain power and then at the end at the very end of these stories they're always like yeah but then a good guy could win i guess it's like but wait a second so 
that I mean, that's that's like the failure of the Game of Thrones show versus hopefully the books. Oh, is okay. that like because the show kind of punt like the show uses the magical plot basically as like a catapult to shoot a good guy into the throne? Like no one does any good king stuff except there's like well because uh, of magic, Brand's in charge and we love him. Bye. Um, right, he's already I, sitting in a chair. He's the closest. Yeah, who has a he greater? Knows the, he knows the most about chairs. Yeah, and sitting who, in them. Who has a greater story than than Brand, the chairman? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but like, yeah, I think, I think you're totally right. And I think this story might actually leave some space for that. Like I thought, I thought the like war council scene with like hot pipe smoking lady and big cigar man and the sad King and the weird, uh, handsome man who didn't speak. I got so confused when they introduced two different evil blonde ladies. I was like, wait, okay, what is going on? Well, so this is what I say is I think one of them is for sure evil, obviously. The one who betrays her whole family gets everyone killed. Um, the lady who's like horny for the dominant, I think is in a little bit more of an ambiguous space as far as good or bad. Okay. Um, but my point is that like that scene, it's like that felt like a scene where some of those guys might be cool and they're schemers and they're tricksters and they might be on the side of okay. Um, And so I'm hoping that there is a little bit of that because it is a thing where you're totally right that a lot of these stories, except for like really clever ones that are mostly just like really long book series basically are like there's schemers, there's honorable people. And then somehow because of like magic and wizards and like uh, fate, the good guys win anyway, even though they're bad at the actual thing that everyone's competing over. Um, and I think that is, I mean, that can be fun, but it's not rewarding in the same way because it's like you're watching a baseball game and then if someone wins by dunking a basketball and it's like, well, okay, I get I, sure. Whatever. Um, and I think that there, this game does feel like maybe it's going to play a little bit more in a space of gray. I mean, just like Clive's whole vibe when we meet him the first time before we know his deal is very like Batman. He <laughs> is very like tortured torture hero for sure um and i don't i think that that's like good and effective for the story i just and i think that it indicates a willingness for the game to be like because like you know we don't know exactly what he's up to but they're like we're gonna basically they're like we're gonna kill a bunch of people and kidnap a girl (laughs) is like the plan he and his friends have at the beginning of the game which is like not Mm -hmm. uh hero shit (laughs) Yeah, um, it's also interesting to me that it seems like, at least from most of the gameplay and trailers, that this is a unique Final Fantasy game in that it really is all just on Clive and not on, like, a squad or, like, you know, a crew of, like, wacky characters. Um, and, And that, like, just the weight of, like, that narrative all being on, like, one guy is a very, very unique for the series. Yeah, it'll be cool. It, I, I'm... I mean, I'm curious how it's going to work because I do like how Final Fantasy lets you just meet weirdo after weirdo after weirdo after weirdo, like on an unending stream. But I like that this game seems to want to uh, sort of have that be that Clyde goes on this crazy adventure and meets a lot of different people and that all the people we meet, you're still going to run into a bunch of weirdos and like their stories and stuff. But you're going to just do it through this guy's like singular adventure and I, i'm curious how it's gonna work because it's very different than like you said than what we're used to with final fantasy games yeah um all right let's talk about someone else let's see yeah let's talk about something else because uh we are going to talk about this game a lot uh next week because i'm going to try and find time to play the shit out of it yes same uh all right then let's talk about uh the second best thing to come out this week the trailer to netflix's one piece uh, uh, it's someone pointed this out on twitter and it's like not a novel observation, but it is true, which is like Netflix has this thing where they're like, Hey, we're going to make series that uh, we cancel instantly and then it go away all the time. And, and also we're going to use the same camera for all of them. Yeah. And they're all going to be through this like lifetime P filter. Yeah. They're all going to be shot on an Ari Alexa and they're all going to be run through the exact same post-production process every time. It's nuts. Um, they all look this like it's like they have to be doing this to build some sort of shared universe look or something. Well, like, yeah, they're doing it because <laughs> that way they can just pass it off to the same production setup every, oh, I, setup every time. It's the cheapest, obviously. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a, just so but, it smooths out everything to be boring and useless. 
Oh my god, it feels like your brain starts to react to them like the way your brain reacts to seeing commercials. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, that's not content, that's like the white noise. Yeah, it sucks. Um but what I was gonna say is that like they it's all shit that's like so disposable and gets thrown in the trash so quickly that it's like, why would anyone care about their attempt to adapt the longest manga like ever? Like they canceled it after three seasons. Like we know they're not going to get anywhere with one piece. It's, it's baffling. Yeah. And also they seem so hesitant to actually show any of the special effects. Like they're so scared at how bad they look that the only time we saw the dude's arm stretch is like in the pitch black of night at the very end of the trailer. And it's like, Ooh, yeah. Like, Listen, if you're like worried, if you're doing a show where a guy has a power and you're like worried about ever being able to pull off that power on screen, then maybe don't do it. Yeah. Like maybe this <laughs> isn't the show for you. It's like if they were doing like a Superman movie and they like couldn't fake him flying. And so he was just kind of like always kind of like jumping off camera, like like off screen. <laughs> like jumping off the building but the camera doesn't follow him yeah like it, it's just it's it's like so what is anyone doing like they could do anything right if it's just gonna be slop then just just i don't know just make it slop yeah. like it just just make it slop it, it's so stupid and the trailer looks terrible and it's it it looks terrible in that way of like not only are you doing a bad job producing this? It seems like you have no understanding of why this thing is good in the first place. And like, you're recreating it just to recreate it to get clicks. And there's no, does he talk like this in the fucking show? Um, kind of, they do a not terrible job of that. Cause he's like a country bumpkin idiot. I feel like he's they're I feel like they've taken some liberties with the voice. Oh, they, I mean, they, they defo have. I think they're kind of they're kind of going for the same thing, I think. But they're not again, like not in a good way. Like, I think it's also this thing where like One Piece, the thing about One Piece that rocks to me. Um, L- Lol, they, they're using the set from Pirates of the Caribbean, too. Hell yeah. But like the one thing about One Piece that rocks me in a major way is that it's so it is such a cartoon. Like, it's using, like, Looney Tunes visual language. It's, like, it relies on the fact that it's animated to do, like, all kinds of super weird things and create super weird images and, and moments. And so if you're going to make a live-action adaptation, like, there has to be a reason to do that. Like, you're you're taking away are the main the, thing are, about the show. Uh, well, the reason has to be money. Are these things making money, these little mermaids and stuff? Like, are they making money? Are people still just uh, going? Are they? Are people seeing them? Is that the, what's happening? The theatrical here? release of, like, Little Mermaid, yeah. This shit probably wow. not. Like, I mean, this mm. is not, you know, to, to deviate for a second, like, this is a big part of the WGA DJ SAG stuff is that they just, like, no one knows the numbers of how the streaming services work. Right. right? And so, I, like, I, no one I actually knows what works or doesn't work. And the funny thing is, is, I think very few people at these streaming companies know the numbers, too. I think, like, two or three people know the numbers. I think they walk into a big room. It's like a warehouse, and there's some sort of, like, brain in there. And, and then it, it knows. <laughs> like the brain bug from, uh, from Starship Troopers, like... A big, uh, a big throbbing lobe with a nasty little face on it. I don't, I don't remember. Is that early in the movie? No, it's like the end of the movie. Wait, are you talking about the 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 queen bug in the, the in bro- the hive? The brain bug. It's like the it's like the mother. Yeah, it's kind of like mother, but it's it's just a big brain that coordinates them on the planet. And then Neil Patrick Harris touches it and goes, I, "It's afraid." Yeah, right. I, but it doesn't. It, it looks like a kind of like a vagina. It's a little vaginal. It's a lot of brain. It's a combination of vagina brain, frankly. It's, it's yeah. It's a, yeah. Okay. Cool. It's a bra-vagina. Br- sure, sure, sure. Um, bra, your major bra moment. Yeah, yep. but like it's it just it's it, because there's no numbers. There's no way to really evaluate from outside what works and what doesn't. But it's just like something seems so obviously like they fail, and so it's like mm-hmm. how do we possibly believe that this is going to be a good a thing that works? Oh shit! Is it Father's Day? Yeah, it is. I'm going to phone Rabbi Jack later. Fuck! Almost forgot. Yeah, it's uh oh, the Flash. Uh, 
uh, undershot expectations at the box office, Griffin. Speaking of Father's On Day. On Father's Day, the fathers let the flash down. The fathers let the that flash movie, down. That movie's about losing your dad. And I guess also your mom. Yeah, and meeting your new dad, mm. Michael Keaton. Yeah, this movie was made for fathers. Did fathers not know that? Did they not, did they not lead with that? Uh, as of today, The Flash earned lower than expected $55.1 million at the box office. Oof. Um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, $55 million for a movie that probably cost $200 plus is brutal. We don't, we, we, I think we don't, we don't know that means it's bad. I think it could be good. Uh, I think it could be good still. And I think that I think that the dads just didn't know. Did you see I I'm I still want to see it. I'm curious about it. But did you see that a lot of people were like the visual effects don't look very good in this movie. They look weird and not great. And that the visual effects coordinator for the movie or the director or something like that was like, actually, they're supposed to look weird. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, Respect. Respect. I love that move. I love when people are like, this thing sucks. And they're like, yeah, that's how we wanted it to be. Yeah, I think that's I think that's. At least they're like, oh, that's what we're going for. And you're just like looking for a certain type of thing. Um, well, that's what I want to see it. Because the question is, is it a distinct cool look that they're going for in certain kind of thing? Or is it suck and they're being little crankos? And that's something I can only know if I watch it. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, the movie's probably bad. And uh, it seems like seems like all this stuff is kind of wrapping up in terms of uh, these movies. I mean, you look at the you look at the lineup for the next slate of Marvel stuff. And I mean, you know, they're always going to have their their loyal soldiers that show up and uh, go see the movies, I guess. But I don't know. Something about it feels feels very over. Well, it feels like it feels like people are maybe tired of superheroes, but they're definitely tired of the same types of superhero stories, the multiverse stuff, the no stake stuff, the like everything is building to a thing that's never going to get there, except for eventually it does, but it's so far away that until like we're right there, it doesn't matter. Um, all that kind of shit. People are just like so done with. And yeah. so and, it's, and, and they want King back. That's, that's the main thing. Yeah. Everyone's mad about no King, no King, no, no service, no King, no gain. Um, gang gang yeah but like it's it does feel like either superheroes movies need to like shake up what they're trying to do and do more sort of interesting stuff like i mean this is what happened to fucking comic books man although it's in a hyperspeed pace but like superhero comics like had to start getting more like either explicitly political or explicitly super weird or folding in like really like bizarre stories or like unexpected character twists or connections or like taking big zany narrative swings to like stay relevant after a while. Um, and the movies kind of have to get there. I think like if they're not going to do shit, that's like, you know, um, like captain Britain goes and fights Merlin in space. Like they're just not, they're not going to, be alive because people are like the spectacle element is sort of donezo, especially because the spectacle starts to start to feel so cheap. Agreed. Um, I, I fall, I'm falling asleep just thinking about the the state of the franchise. Um, Commercial. I don't know. Commercial and then come back and do some Diablo talk. Oh, sure. Yeah. So let's talk about speaking of things people have talked about. We've played a lot more Diablo than we did last week when we talked about it. We've yeah. even gotten to play, we play some a lot together. We played some together. Yeah. That's most important, I think. Yeah. We've gotten to share the experience. It is uh, good as hell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very good. It's a very good fun co-op game. I mean, it has the like any kind of game that exists. There are people who could play it who are just like who play it in like a hyper focused flow state of like maximizing everything and like optimizing min max whatever. But like the glory of Diablo as a co-op game is that like you can just sort of grind through stuff and kill a lot of things while you're just kind of talking to your friends about the Final Fantasy 16 demo or like what movies are funny or what RFK Jr. has been up to or how building a new studio feels or what middle school you think you're going to teach theater at. Um, And that's like low-key one of the great things about Diablo is that the mechanism is so simple, the lore is so fun and silly, 
that you can kind of just like do bits with your friends and hang out while you play it. Like it feels very couch co-op-y even online. Um, yeah, I think it's great. I, I think it's fun. I mean, I, I'll, I'll say this is like, it's, it's a great game to kind of just like troll around with your friends and just kind of talk and like hang out and just kind of grind. But I wouldn't say that it was ever gameplay collaborative interesting but more just fun to just chill and chat um which has its place but i wouldn't say it was like as fun as like when me and you tried to play raft together or when i'm playing overwatch with someone else or you know it doesn't really have any of the because it's so kind of easy and and sort of un communication is fairly unnecessary so it's kind of like you're essentially just like giving people a reason to be in like a discord lobby together um which is cool yeah like but the, that's kind of what i mean by how it feels like couch co-op like it feels like mm -hmm. everyone's just hanging out in a room playing this game where you can kind of goof off i mean there are some moments where having a group and doing some communicating actually does make it a, 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 a you know a non-zero difference where like you know for instance uh when i've when burf and i've been playing two-player like Murph has a bunch of moves that stagger stuff. So like having him stagger bosses and then I do all my crazy DPS shit when the boss as the boss is staggered, like mm -hmm. that can be fun, but that's about as complicated teamwork wise as it gets. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's like not, you know, it's not a super challenging game. That's not really the Diablo like, promise. I mean, but like, you know, I, obviously that's just with us campaigning and, and screwing around. There is like end game content where I'm sure there could be more communication and more focus and stuff like that. But that was just my my experience just playing it moment to moment with with friends at a, a much lower level. Yeah, I do. I am curious for when I get through it, what it's going to be like to play the end game stuff. Um, but right now I'm just savoring the story because the story is uh, weird as hell. It's like it's basically all the Diablo stories are like there's a Diablo or a various Diablo type guy who's like causing some big problems and you got to stop him. And on the way, you learn about a bunch of people who also wanted to stop him, but did a bad job at it and like their various deals um, or like about a spooky city or whatever. But in this one, there's like real weird themes about like mommy and daddy and like family trauma and like, like, you know, what, what sacrifices people are willing to make or like how and how and why we approach these like existential questions of like how to save the world, which is a very funny thing to find in a Diablo game. Cause it's just so distant from mm -hmm. like anything they ever do. Um, yeah, so I, I I don't know. Like on the story level, I I I'm, I'm liking like some moments of it. I find the promise of the intro of the game to kind of not carry throughout, where it's like, oh, we're gonna move the isometric camera down and into these interesting angles and show off spaces and have like narrative surprises, like they do when you pass out and get put on the wheelbarrow and they the town tries to sacrifice you or whatever it's a really strong opening you don't really see a lot of moments like that throughout the rest of the game at least so far i would also say like while i like certain moments in certain quests the reasons why we have to go new places feels really uninspired and arbitrary almost always yeah which is like one of the worst things I think in terms of an open world game, you kind of like want the promise of like in Skyrim, you're like wondering what the mages guild looks like up in the snowy distance or like you're just like imagining what the thieves hidden underground city is. And, you know, there's things that draw you and pull you places, whereas this is like I'm going to go to another town and they're going to have some side quests. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the core sort of I think. And I don't want to call it a failure because the game still, I think, works in a lot of ways. But like one of the core issues with the choice to take this style of hack and slash chop them up game and make it purely open world the way that they have is like you don't get to see the world that way. Right. Like your visual framework isn't looking out from an eyeline outward. It's looking top down at a guy. So you're mm -hmm. not seeing this big world full of mysteries and things to see you're just seeing like 10 feet around some guy um, mm -hmm. at all times and everything else only exists on a map. 
Um, mm -hmm. And so you don't get that kind of like, uh, oh, shit, what's in that big mountain? Like, I wonder, oh, holy moly, a giant cave. What could be in there? Like, you don't get that kind of stuff. So most of the reasons you go places aren't because you've already seen or heard about or interacted with allusions to those places. It's because someone told you the guy is over there. Um, and a lot of times they, where they tell you the guy is even the place the guy is, isn't like thematically resonant. Occasionally it is like when Lothar and Donan are in the swamp towards the end of act four or five or whatever, like that, that's like, okay, it makes sense that they're in the swamp because like they're sorting through like mucky, nasty feelings of like loss and decay and stuff. That's swampy. But there are other parts where it's like, uh, this guy's in the mountains. Cause, uh, I don't know. That's where he lives. Like that's, <laughs> that's just where he is. Like so go over there. Um, and so there is like that problem where the open world stuff doesn't really do anything aside from give you more dungeons to go to, but it does make it feel like it just, it's, it's, an, it's, there's something kind of annoying or at least like, uh, disheartening about having this big open world, but the way you engage with it is like just in these tiny little slices and it's open worldiness doesn't actually mean anything except for that you have more stuff to do like you just have more things to fight as you walk from place to place mm -hmm. um, which is why the horse makes the game a lot more fun i've found oh but but then the horse is so terribly implemented like this is the worst mount in a long time yeah. in video games the like horse, the, this how this horse dismounts you it's cool down to remounts really long it gets cut on all the edges the way that you speed the horse up is by drawing your mouse out across the screen farther away from it to increase its speed it's based on the distance your mouse is on the screen to the horse like everything oh, the is, horse plays a lot smoother on the ps5 yeah i imagine it'd be better on console but yeah, yeah on, on pc which is it's you know it's it's home platform in a lot of ways uh it's a terrible experience i believe that like and yeah the, even even on ps5 where the horse plays fairly smooth it's still like not that good but I mean, a little bit of it's like basically Stockholm syndrome where I'm like, oh, I don't have to walk here. I can just ride my horse. I love my horse. It's saving me so much time. Um, it's so much better than having to just take a long walk every time. Um, so, I mean, it is I still enjoy it, but it's you're totally right that it does like uh, it's not a particularly good horse situation. Um, but it does that does ameliorate a lot of the problems of the open world thing, because like. I just want to go to the places where the stuff I want to do is and do the stuff that I want to do, um, but they don't make going to the places very fun. So at least the horse makes going to the places faster. The places you go to are fun, like clearing dungeons is fun and like mm -hmm. going to a spooky temple to like find snake eyeballs and put them in a special door so you can go kill a monster is fun. But like going having to trek across six different areas called like the reefs of mourning and the swamps of sorrow and the vines of um so sad um <laughs> like don't uh, is not that is not it gets old eventually um and so the horse at least letting you like sort of skip that stuff into a degree is pretty helpful yeah um but yeah i don't know um fun game i'm glad that we're able to play it together and grind it out um i'll probably play it as a filler game in between other stuff but i mean i've sort of cleared my sort of heart mind and soul for final fantasy 16 in a couple of days so it's really all, all i'll be really thinking about everything else is kind of kind of be snacks until then yeah i mean i'm kind of with you on that like i uh i think i think it's like uh, Final Fantasy it's it's a funny contrast right because I've been looking forward to Diablo 4 for a long time and it was like oh this is a fun game to play with my friends and da, da, da. And then Final Fantasy showed up and it was like hey remember Elden Ring and the way that made you like remember why video games are like such a cool art form to you that you care a lot about Uh, mm -hmm. we're back we're back baby with another one um, <laughs> like it had that kind of feeling of just like really uh making manifest the things about video games that are exciting to me mm -hmm. um and so that's the that's i think the key the key thing about or the key difference right like it felt like let's go i put this diablo 4 like checked a box 
for me in a really specific way. Like it's, this is the kind of game that I like and it exists. Um, whereas final fantasy 16 feels like this is an event that I want to just be in and be part of, um, in a way that's like a lot more exciting and compelling. Um, the difficulty of finding time to actually play it is a problem I'll have to solve soon. Uh, cause I'm a busy boy, but, um, I got it's, it comes out the 21st, right? Um, that's 21st, 22nd. Yeah. 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 Okay. So like, okay, well, I'll figure this out, but it's going to be tricky with time. Maybe I'll also have to, maybe I'll have to work June. <laughs> maybe for me as a privileged white person, I can work Juneteenth and then take the 22nd off for final fantasy day. Oh man. This whole father, this whole, this whole father's day is uh, happening right, right in the midst of uh Joe Rogan debate panel. <laughs> Which is oh, like made for Father's Day. Yeah, I mean that's premium Father's content. That's daddy content. He wants to pay a guy a hundred thousand dollars to debate RFK Jr. Right, because the and, guy the guy he's hassling is the uh the guy who want who made like the the patent free COVID vaccine, right? I believe that's the guy, Peter Ho- Peter Hotez or whatever. Peter Hotep? What? Isn't the guy he's talking to Peter Hotez? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hotez. Um I listen, you know, I'm I'm pro debate and I'm pro uh people losing their money. So well, let's see it, folks. Let's go. I think we could we could be good moderators, you know. We we could say, hmm, sorry, you're um you're, you're straw manning, Joe. Yeah, you're, stra- we, you're straw we, we, manning. Let's, 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 you're reductio yeah, uh, ad absurdum-ing. Now, now listen, we need, Hotez, if Hotez is going to roll in there and he's going to debate, he needs a crew. He needs to walk in with an entourage. We could be that entourage, okay? We roll in, we back him up, we hype him up. We, sure. I mean, he's he works at a Baylor, so it would not be that hard for him to come pick us up in his car or pick me yep. up in his car anyway. We wear two jackets. Mine says big. Yours says pharma. Oh, and that's actually sick. We should actually get those. Yeah. And and we we just like we just we we grind it up in there. We we chop it up we, with those guys. We chop it up. We do. We do. I think I think that's, you know, if we want freedom of speech, if we want, you know, you know, platform all sorts of different voices. Two guys with a big pharma jackets has not been on the Rogan show before. What is he afraid of? Is he afraid of our uh, ups making potentially some good points and looking really cool while doing it? I mean, probably that's the thing he fears most. Do we need to make a counter offer saying you keep the hundred grand? We're but we ha- we're going to come now with Hotez, big pharma guys. We're, we're going to do pay, and we'll pay do it. you. We'll do it just for a clap for free. <laughs> we're, no, and, but we're going to pay you and it's going to be pharma money and you're going to have to take it. And so now, be, so now you have taken the pharma money. Yes, because you've got that dirty money, that blood money. So here's how it works, Joe. You don't get to not sacrifice anything. If we're coming on the show, you're taking our big pharma ass fucking money. And yeah, we want we want an overlay logo. We want an overlay ambient can be it can be ambient it can be in a lower lower right lower left corner i could be I a full like lower to- third though i'll take a full lower third could, well lower third is where the negotiations start and then i imagine <laughs> that the compromise yeah we, sure. get, we get to uh, we get to lower left lower right i'd love top right would love top right um we get the big pharma logo overlay on the joe rogan episode and then we do a whole episode that way um, with the logo. And then hopefully they forget about it and then it stays on forever. And we've, we've left our mark on the show. Yeah, I think that's a good plan and a good way to save America. So we should do that. Uh, saying, sort of, if you want to risk something, take something. Yeah, no, no, no pain, no gain. Uh, you got to risk it to get the biscuit, etc. This whole thing with Joe Rogan and, and, and Hotez is very funny, though. Because it operates with this assumption that like scientists do debate, which is just not what science is. <laughs> do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, 
they they don't do that. Scientists publish hundred page long research documents that other scientists read and engage with. And like science changes when like norms shift or people die, but they don't like go and like yell at each other. Like they're working in laboratories on science. <laughs> like that's why we're that's why we're here. Right. Sure. I, I don't I don't mean just in terms of scale. I just mean like the premise of the idea that Joe Rogan's gonna be like you need you a scientist needs to debate this guy when it's like if they were to talk about things in terms that actually matter for science none of the people he's talking to would know what he's talking about oh yeah yeah you that's why you can't go tit for tat it's all about vibes and what you're and what jacket you're wearing and 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 we've got that part covered right and 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 so we're ready we're, we're ready it's just it's on them it's on them at this point the ball's in their court they they need to accept our wire transfer of our of our giant it's 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 40 percent pfizer 40 percent moderna 20 percent. it's just dark money we don't even know where that 20 percent is coming from yeah maybe exactly saudi arabia maybe who knows yeah, or, or or cutter <laughs> But Joe, you need to prove to us, you need to post your bank account with the added $100,000 from Big Pharma that's 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 entered your account. We will not step we will not step in the room. We will not step into the dojo until that wire transfer is complete and you have that pharma money. Yeah, until Joe Rog- until Joe Rogan has hundreds of thousands of pharma dollars, we refuse to debate him. That's right. That's right. And 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 then I want that message to be clear. I want everyone to tell their dads about this deal. Tell them what we're doing here. And because because uh, we've you know I think it could be taken a lot of different ways. So, so clarify for them why we're giving Joe Rogan a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And I, if they want to chip in, if your dads want to chip in, that's great. Let's add onto the pot. Let's add the pressure. Let's add let's add more freedom to the speech. Yeah, I mean, the more people yelling about it, the freer it is. Sometimes that's, you're the, gonna, that's, that's rule number one. Sometimes when you're getting your speech made and you're like, let's go a little extra with the freedom, can we today? It's a little, looking a little light on the freedom. Why don't you give an, give an extra give an extra dollop of freedom on that speech? Yeah, really sauce it up freedom style. With an extra tortilla. An extra tortilla. On the side. Um, Ooh, well, I think that's all hungry. I had to say. That's all. It's expected Sorry. this announcement to take a lot longer to explain, but it turns out we thought it through really well. So yeah, it turns out we're fucking geniuses. Oh, you want to talk about XQC hundred million dollars to go on kick to go on the horny uh, racist uh, streamer? Well, well, that's why they're no longer the horny racist. Now they're the oh, what's up, guys? Oh my god! Uh, no, it's that guy. Like, they're they're. I'm thinking about them unhornying or unracisting. Well, well, now there's there's bigger content. Well, first of all, there's hornying everywhere on Twitch, but not in, not in the same way, right? The TOS rules have been looser, certainly on Kick. But I mean, this that that's the whole reason for deals like this is to be known for something other than that. Yeah, but and, I just don't think it's gonna work if you can still see a guy come on the streaming. So you know what I mean? Can you find uh, is that happening right now? Is that just like a long loop or something? What's going on over there? You'll on kick. You'll see just like people doing fucking. Hmm. Um, well, they need to work on that. Yeah. And you also get a lot of Nazis. Right. But that's why you bring XQC in to de-radicalize them. <laughs> sure. I, like, I think my, I, th- I understand the play here, right? The play is to be like, we want to keep being basically no rules wild west, but we want to have bigger stories out there than that. We're no rules wild west. Um, and I understand that play. I just think that it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think is the big problem with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think well, that we'll see. I think that like they just, unless they tighten the TOS, which then hurts the brand itself. Like, they're just going to end up like recreating or just having people show up and then being like, Oh, I love XQC. What else is on here? Oh my God. It's uh, a guy just jacking off to a picture of Donald duck with a giant doing goatsy. And it's like, Oh, I don't like this website. You know? Mm, yeah, I guess. Um, or people discover they really like people jacking off to Donald Duck doing goatsy is the other that's the other possibility. Maybe that's the long play with this. I, I, I think, you know, 
I think a lot of companies have to start by allowing anyone on their platform and then they start to tighten that up over time. Uh, I mean, you see that with basically any major platform, Twitter, I mean, YouTube, like YouTube was the home base for like online right movements in terms of like sort of like radical guys. And now a lot of those guys have gotten like yeeted over to like your rumbles, your parlors and stuff like that. Um, and so it seems like it's like the same exact playbook as like a lot of other now more liberal TOS leaning censoring bigger platforms. Yeah, I think I mean, maybe that's where it'll get to. I just think that like they are uniquely positioned to have a hard time doing that because you could say the same thing about YouTube, you know, like, oh, that platform with like all these like race but, realist guys and like insane like psychos like you, but know, you didn't like sell itself it, that way in the same way right i think we know it too because i think this this hundred million dollar deal is meant to like cause ripples outside of like the gamer sphere that yeah, knows what it's known for that would be the key you thing know, is like, like you, do, you know does people, it people don't know I mean, you know, like this is this is like rippling out to like, you know, people like major sports stars are probably like, yo, what who what is this? What's going on? Like these guys are getting signed for bigger deals than I am in the NBA. Like something is going on here. And and when that much money moves around, like everyone takes notice, it's supposed to cause waves outside of just their industry. And it certainly has. I mean, you're seeing the the New York Times um, paper of record. (laughs) Okay, kids. Yeah, the New York Times, the gray lady. Lady in gray. All right, let's, All right, let's that's, go. That's a good a good stopping point. Uh, happy Father's Day, everyone. I got to uh, call my dad. Yeah, call, call your call dad. My dad. Call your dads. We'll talk to you guys soon. L- let your dad know that you think RFK Jr. makes some really good points. Or let him know that you don't and see what happens. Just make sure you talk about RFK Jr. as the top level instruction. Bring it up. I hope you're so happy you did. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone.